Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Like true New Abbey fashion, you're going to grab three or four people around you. Uh, it's a pretty easy one this morning to start off. Who is God? Um, go ahead and just get that answer in the next few minutes and we will circle back. Uh, so we're going to continue in our time in Genesis. Last week, uh, Corey was preaching, and he said something that struck me, and he was talking about us doing our part, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today. He said, we do our part, and God does God's part. It kind of got me thinking, like, what is God's part, and how do we understand that in our lives, right? So before we get into it, we're going to jump back into Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as God said, and the Lord did for Sarah what the Lord had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So we got hundred-year-olds having babies and breastfeeding, apparently. Love that for them. Um, and this is a story, right? We've talked a lot about the stories uh, in the Bible and in Genesis and what they have to teach us. What are these stories saying? What's the wisdom there? And I read the story and I just think about the reality that this is God doing God's part, right? Abraham and Sarah were doing their part, but you're going to need some intervention from something bigger than yourself if you want a baby at 100 years old, just saying. Honestly... If you want a baby at any point, that's kind of wild. Um, when you really think about the odds that we're all here, don't even, don't even sit with it long enough. Um, so it's God doing God's part. And we talk about that a lot, and we have these stories and these narratives. And even when we started this uh, thing in Genesis, and we talk about being good, and Corey just did it now, we all put our hands on our bellies, and we reminded that we are good, and that there's divinity within us. And, and we say that we are good because we are created in, in the image of God, and God is good. And we believe these things, and we have these narratives, but what does it mean, right? How do we do our part and let God do God's part? And what is God's part? Earlier this week, I was riding bikes with my wife, cute, and um, we were riding bikes, and she said, she was like, I just am kind of angry right now at the idea of God, and I was like, say more, and we were talking about Ukraine and what's going on in Texas and things going on in our own lives and families. And she was like, just sometimes I feel like the idea of God gives everyone a cop-out to not do anything. And I'm just, like, mad at that. And I was like, yeah, that's real. 
right? Because when we talk about our interaction with the presence of God and God's doing God's part, I think a lot of us have a little bit of baggage because we may have grown up or inherited a narrative about codependency, like a codependent relationship with God, right? Where it was all God's part. We actually don't have to do anything because God's got it, right? And this breaks down pretty early for a lot of us. I remember, did anyone play like sports at like a Christian school or something, and then you both pray to win the game. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, so what is this going to come down to, right? Like, if we lose, what does that say about us? What does that say about God, right? If we win, what does that say about them, right? But a lot of us had this idea and these realities that maybe there was a magic prayer you could pray. Maybe there was a way in which you could plead to God. Maybe there was a way in which you could live your life. Maybe there's sins that you couldn't do. And if you do those things, then God's part would be stronger in your life than other people's lives. Did anyone believe that? Was it just me? It's fine, because I could just do a little unpacking right here. <laughs> Cheaper than therapy. But... But we had this idea of this codependent relationship with God that God will, will show up if I do the right things. But then we've all experienced something that we have prayed for, that we have pleaded to God for, that we have asked for, that we have longed for, and it didn't happen. Something bad happened. We needed a miracle and it didn't show up. We were 100 years old and we still didn't get our baby. So what do we do with that? So then for a lot of us, we moved to this independent relationship with God, where you know what? God doesn't have it. I have it. And it's all on me, and I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to do it all, and I'm going to act, and I'm going to fix the injustices in the world. I'm going to fix the problems of my family. I'm going to fix all the things going on, and I'm going to do it all, right? And that's where some of us find ourselves today, and it's exhausting, and it's not realistic, and it's hard. And if we're being honest, there's a part of me that was in this space for a long time, and I deeply, deeply, deeply longed for the feeling of the presence of God that I felt when I felt like God was in control of everything. I didn't know what to do. Because I felt like, God, it's not this codependent thing where God has it all, but it's not this independent thing where I have it all. What if it's an interdependent thing? What if I have to do my part and God still does God's part? What if we act and we do things and we rent Airbnbs from people in Ukraine and we text all of our friends in Austin and tell them to vote in the Texas election because if we're being honest, if we have friends in Austin, Texas, they probably live in Austin. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and we tell them to vote and we do everything that we can do, but we still have to believe that there's something bigger at work in and around us and we get to trust that and believe in that and rest in that. And finding that balance is really, really hard. By saying, oh, do I feel like I'm copping out by praying? Like, how many times have you seen something awful happen in the world, and then you see someone saying, like, our thoughts and prayers are with you, and then, like, everyone's like, ugh, you know? <laughs> like, thoughts and prayers, we need action, right? And it's true. Both are true. We need thoughts and prayers, and we need action, Someone I look up to and admire the most is Martin Luther King Jr., who will probably find a way into every sermon I preach. Um, but I feel like he was so good at this. And when I think about how overwhelming it is to be a human right now, I think about him. I feel personally overwhelmed. Like, I feel sad. 
I feel so helpless about the fact that there's a war going on in the world and I don't know what to do. I feel so helpless about the fact that there are trans children fighting for their rights and I don't know how to help them. I feel so helpless about the things going on in my own family that I don't know how to fix. I feel so helpless, I feel so overwhelmed, there's so much injustice, and all of this going on, by the way, we have not forgotten summer 2020 slash all of US history where everything's racist. Like, there's so much happening. And so we have this, this leader, this person that I, that I see and I look up to and I love, and I feel like he was so good at doing his part. I don't think there's a person in the world that argued that MLK did not do his part. He did more than his part. And yet he was always pushing people to, toward the reality that he was engaging and partnering with something bigger than himself, with God at work in the world. That was his narrative always, that he got to participate in the return of justice. And he always said the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice because God is doing something big at work, and that work is leading towards good, and people are good, and we're capable of good, and all these things. And he saw himself as engaging in that narrative, with that narrative, with God. Even in his speeches when he would say, I, I may not get there with you, but I believe that that thing is coming. I'm going to do everything in my part, but I am not the only one at work. God is at work. And as a progressive, deconstructed person, sometimes it's uncomfortable. But pushing myself to rest in the reality that God is at work is so important because I don't want to be codependent. I don't want to be independent. I want an interdependence. I want to join in the work that is happening in the world. I don't want to feel like it's all on my back because it's not. And if it would, we are not going to have a good time, right? And I don't want to feel like it's all on something out there and all I have to do is avoid the wrong sins and pray the right prayers and then it will all happen. No, no, that's not true either. But the fact that I do believe that God is at work and God is at work for good and that God will do God's part, it's uncomfortable at times because there is so much mystery in that. It would be so fun for me to stand up here and be like, here are three ways um, to engage with the presence of God in your life. And that awe and that mystery will make sense. Uh, It will be tangible. You can read about it. Everyone look under your chairs. There's 40 days of purpose. And have a good time. But I think it's in that awe, in that mystery, in that unknowing that is so important for us to sit in. Whatever side of the spectrum you're on, if you're like a hyper-intellectual person who has like taken this deconstruction route and this reconstruction route and it's all been in your head, that is an important part of the journey. But there is something about experiencing and feeling the presence of God that is fundamental to this journey. And sometimes that is way harder than reading. <laughs> Some people are like, is it? <laughs> It's way harder than going down and all these podcasts and all these ideas, and it's so important. All of that is so important, but there's something about sitting and resting and trusting in the presence of God that God will do God's part to move the human story forward. That we don't know when, where, how, and exactly what that looks like, that we have a part in that, and we trust that God will do God's part, and that we can rest in that, that we can have faith in that, that we can trust in that. Now we can experience it. 
I still, from time to time, when we're in here, and William just has this beautiful, I mean, he's going, it's so beautiful. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and I feel something, and then I tense up. Because I'm like, don't do that. I'm like, well, why can't I do that? Like, you know what I mean? I have so much baggage, probably a lot of us in this room do, about when and where and how I can let myself rest in the reality that, oh, God is real. God is good. God is so many things I don't know. Hundred-year-olds can have babies and breastfeed, and also (laughs) things can happen. And there are forces at work beyond me that I get to join with. There are presences bigger than my own that I get to rest in. And I need that. I was reading something this week by Frederick something. Um, (laughs) Come to me later. It's in my phone if you want their last name. (laughs) Talking about this, some of these ideas. Because for some of us, I want to acknowledge that you may go to sit in the presence of God or to be with the presence of God and feel nothing. And he said, maybe the lack, feeling the lack of God is the presence of God. That for those of you in the room, for those of us in the room that at times go to connect with the presence of God in our life and we feel nothing, maybe that is something. Maybe our longing is that interaction with the presence of God. Maybe we sit with that, and that is how we interact in this season. Maybe we do know how to feel the presence of God in our life, but we don't make time for it. Maybe we are scared to engage. Maybe whatever it is, it's all okay. There was... um, a priest in Pasadena that we used to uh, reference all the time because when, asked, when he was asked, why do we gather? Sometimes he would say, we gather to reverse the amnesia, to remember Christ, right? Something we say here a lot is we don't have to invite the presence of God anywhere. We get to remember that the presence of God is everywhere. And so in reversing the amnesia is something we get to do together on a Sunday morning, but how do you do that in your own life? How do you create space to break out of your head, to break out of, geez, social media, the news, all of it, and allow yourself to rest in the presence of God? And if you can't rest in the presence, to long for the presence of God. To remember that there is a God. To figure out whether or not you believe in a God. Whatever it is, how do we reverse the amnesia in our own lives to stop for a second and say, you know what? It's not codependent, and there's not something out there that's going to, like, make all my dreams come true, and if I pray the right prayer, lottery numbers will appear in my phone, and then that's how everything is solved. No, that's not real. There's no genie in a bottle. What? <laughs> Look, if you have a lamp, you're like, what? <laughs> Christina lied. Christina lied. And also, we're not here on our own. And we're not just here existing, but that we get to join in the reality of who God is and what God is doing in the world. And it's really funny, because I was like telling Sammy before this Sunday, I was like, why does this feel like one of the most, uh, not nervous sermons or like controversial, but I'm like, if I got up here and I just said some wild stuff, like, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've probably honestly already said it, but like these really far left ideas... But I was like, 
I don't know why. There's like a part of me that's like, no, it feels far more controversial to be like, God is real and God's presence is available to us. There's something special about resting in that and trusting that, especially in a time like right now in 2022 when everything feels like it's gone awry, when there is literal war, people fighting for their lives, our own families, our own suffering, our own pain, our own disarray, our own unknowing, to stop and say, what would it look like to rest in the presence of God and to trust in the goodness that we get to join into? Because at the end of the day, we're here at church on a Sunday morning. We get to rest in the presence of God. We will fight for justice. We will fight for change. We will do all of these things. And we get to rest in the reality that there's something bigger at work that we get to join in with. And that brings me a lot of comfort and a lot of peace. When Corey was preaching last week, and that's the only thing I could think of, and I was like, that's all I want to say next week, is that, yes, we will do our part, and God will do God's part. And we get to rest in that and hope and trust. So wherever you find yourself in that journey of remembering God, of engaging with the presence of God, maybe you're engaging with the longing, maybe you're engaging with the unknowing, maybe you're engaging with the uncertainty of like, I don't actually know. Great. But I just ask us to engage with it. See what's there. Allow yourself to feel. Let's take it out of our heads for a second and let's allow ourselves to feel. And let's see what happens. There's no, here's exactly what you're going to feel, and then you're going to come to the front and raise your hand, and then we're going to fix it. I don't know. <laughs> you might go home this week and sit in some stillness and be like, no, I don't know if this is something that I can feel yet or I believe. Great. Maybe you go and you sit and you rest and you feel lighter and there's a peace. Great. It's not about what we're going to experience. It's about being open to the reality that there's something bigger and what would it look like to make room for that in our life in 2022. So with that, you're going to grab the same three or four people. What would it look like for you to experience the presence of God in your life? Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.